opposing the government and opposing the Conservatives. I'm afraid it's the hard left who want to tighten their control. They want to uh, sideline uh, moderate voices. I don't think anybody should be surprised about that is the nature of the hard left. And of course, we know that the hard left famously cannot tolerate any who dissent. Who are the hard left, What's Chris? Well, we know who the hard who, left are. are in the you know, I, ascendancy I, within, the, within the Labour Party language. who associate with the hard left. You just said to that we were right, to right wing. The hard left agenda, printing money, nationalisation without compensation, that sort of hard left wing position. Hard sort of left, the hard 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 left, I'm eating my ice cream now, so uh, that means... Yeah, that means it's time to introduce the episode. Um, it's me, Geraint, Wario Tifo, joined as ever by, by Jack, who normally does this bit, but is uh, munching on an ice cream. Yeah. And we are joined today by uh, a long-time friend of the show, McCats, Pete, uh, who you can oh. also, if you don't already... You should follow him on Twitter at, uh, I'm just finding what your actual hat is because you've banned in, been banned so many times. Uh, he, he is now at Tone Policing, all one word. <laughs> Hello. It's, it's really Welcome. good to have you here, McCats. It's really good to be on. I think part of the, the plan for today's episode was to have a bit of a debate on the, one of the big issues of the day, which we'll be coming to, which is should leftists stay within the Labour Party under Keir Starmer and with a move uh, attempting back towards the centre or should we leave it? Um, so we'll, we'll be covering that later on as well as various shit that's been going on as per usual. So Yeah, from the Labour Party. With, with this, because yeah. I'm kind of, I'm going to be playing the sort of on the fence uh, guy in this particular. Ah, uh, you fucking boring centrist melt. Well, I mean, I, I came can't make your mind up over anything. That's exactly it. Sorry. I mean, I, I, I came from a background basically where it was a good few years before Corbyn, you know, probably pushing a decade or more where I had no faith in the Labour Party whatsoever. I'd briefly be, been a member for about a year within that, and it was even worse than I expected. This was like at the start of Ed Miliband's time, and I was just like long been like, right, fuck the Labour Party, burn it down get something else in its place as, as difficult as that's going to be and then when, when Corbyn got in you know that was already more than I thought could happen within the structure of that party so I was very much at that point sort of well okay let's give it a bit of a go and I think my instincts were sort of leading up to like well well let's stay in and, and try and keep it pulled to the left and, and point out when 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 Starmer mm. or whoever won and it was obviously going to be Starmer is shit but and it already just a few weeks in, he's been shit enough. I'm like, am I being realistic there that it's it's worth staying in? Are we just sort of pissing our energies into the wrong vessel again? So I could be convinced either way on this one, but not too optimistic really. Um, so anyway, we we are a few weeks in now. So uh, I don't know which which of you wants to to make your main case first, but. Um, uh, we're, we're, all, we're all agreed here that, that Starmer's been shit so far. There's not a, there's not a debate yeah, over that. Ha- he's been 
it's difficult to see how he can stay as leader. Yeah. It's, it, yeah, any other leader right now would be 20 points ahead of the worst, least popular yeah. government in all of history. I just mm. think with this government, you know, with a heavy heart, anyone else would, would definitely be, be 20 points up. It's, just, it's time to go. Well, precisely. So that's why go. I've got to vote Conservative. Yeah. Because, like, you know, that's what all the right did when we didn't have a leader fit for the party. Yeah. So, yeah, keep, I'm keep, afraid I, yeah, I just keep, hope Boris Starmer, stays in. Keir Starmer needs to realise that all the best principles in the world don't mean anything if you can't win elections with them. And it's time he stands aside for a, a younger, mm. uh, more energetic person who can, who can put the ideas across better and uh, <laughs> invigorate the electorate more. Someone like uh, that, Rebecca Long Bailey, maybe. Great, yeah. It was, we'd, we'd be <laughs> thirty points ahead with this government if we had Rebecca Long Bailey as leader. I think we'd be we'd be fifty points ahead with Richard Bergen personally, but uh, I love Becky as well, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, Macats. Right. So I'm gonna basically right. I'm gonna play to use the phrase of a guy I have this very discussion with. I sadly forget his name, but you know, great bloke on the uh, podcasting is praxis podcast. I'm gonna play dickhead's advocate. I'm going to argue staying in the Labour Party, which, in my defence, I am a dickhead and I do intend to do that. Um, I take very little pleasure in it, and I guess I'm feeling the, the, the pain that all these right-wing assholes felt when they had to be in a party under Corbyn. It really isn't nice. So let's hear a case that, you know, maybe might persuade me to finally cancel that direct debit and um, ceremoniously cut up my membership card with toenail clippers and post a picture on Twitter. Well, to me now, the, the, the party's kind of proven that the machinery itself will actively work to stop uh, any left-wing platform winning an election, should we even get the chance. I look back at the sort of movement that was built over the last five years, and it's really impressive, and... I'm kind of gutted that it sort of came to nothing in the end. But to learn that that was because of sabotage from actually within the party, that even when we had the leadership under, under our control, even when we had the biggest membership ever that was broadly supportive of the leadership, we just couldn't pass key internal democracy things like open selection and stuff, and so on and so forth. And now, especially now that we don't even have the leadership, it just feels like this sort of Kafkaesque nightmare. Like I'm having these conversations with people where, like, oh, why why can't we do this? And there's always some sort of subcommittee of a subcommittee of a subcommittee <laughs> that it's worth fighting for a couple of seats on here and a couple of seats on there. And it just seems like a massive waste of of energy. That like, yeah, starting a new party or whatever would be difficult, but it's going to be difficult anyway. I, I mean, I, I would say that difficult is a bit of an understatement because, you know, what was the last precedent for that? Probably the Labour Party. <laughs> I mean, but, but then, but the Labour Party had to sweep the Liberal Party out of the way to sort of become like the sort of proto-socialist party of its day. Like, there's a reason why all them, like, radicals didn't just sort of go fuck it and join the Liberal Party and try and do entryism or just try and become MPs with it or whatever. Like, mm. I think, to be honest, with, with, like, Landlord Lloyd and stuff, like, even, <laughs> like, some of the Socialist Campaign Group MPs are just, like, woefully disappointing. 
I'm still, I'm, you know, I'm thoroughly unimpressed by the PLP generally. I'm not, not going to lie about that. Um, and it, yeah, it, I, I don't know. It just sort of, it just sort of seems like, um, like sort of pissing in the void a little bit. And we sort of tried it. We got really close, but when we actually could have done it, when we were like a hair's breadth away from it, they actually like the party itself decided like, no, we can't let this happen because they're to the left of Gordon Brown or fucking whatever. What I'm wondering, though, is if because of that now people have learned lessons, do we do we now have a lot of people on the left who are considerably hardened and were another opportunity to retake the party to arise? And let's bear in mind that the Corbyn insurgency was completely unprecedented, basically, at, at the time. And, um, you know... Could could we have people who will learn from the mistakes of the Corbyn movement and be more assertive and aggressive and be more aware and more concerned with making their supporters aware, which I felt the Corbyn movement didn't, of the forces that were Def- arrayed against them? Because the worry is that we've got all these weird, you know, 15-year-old Blairites who you see on Twitter who are just literally... They've <laughs> just, like, got the police on speed dial so they can, like, report anyone they see tweeting about, like, Cuba yeah. or something. Must oppose authoritarian I mean, communism at all turns. Now, here's my list of God people who disagree with me to report to head <laughs> office. <laughs> I'm, I mean, should the opportunity present itself again? Absolutely. And if it could muster the same amount of sort of just genuine hope behind it, that would just be like a really nice thing to see again generally but um but like corbyn and the mass membership and stuff it sprung up overnight like as he announced his campaign we didn't really need tens of thousands of us to be sort of plugging away at that in the meantime under milliband to make that membership surge happen really but i think that there were some people plugging away under miliband who I mean, were were really important when it came to it, like the fact that there were oh, yeah, they sh- like fifty. There should always be people. Um, there should always be people who stay behind for sure. Mm. Um, but just that there's so many other things we could be doing. I mean, one of the reasons I think that we kind of failed is that we didn't build any power base, sort of outside, like the membership arms of the party. Yeah. Um, like union powers probably as weak as it's ever been like you know the tories managed to legislate away a lot of the right to strike and stuff and like we did we haven't built power like that way like in the workplaces within industry and particularly like on the streets even i mean early days corbyn could muster quite a crowd you know what i mean there's um mm. there's sort of broader stuff that needs to happen to underpin the sort of party political parliamentary slight side of it even if you are looking to um like i don't know some sort of coup against starmer and <laughs> insert a raging socialist <laughs> i don't think we can do a 2016 but with like richard bergen i just don't think there's any chance of that there's not only not enough leftists in the plp to do that but the left are so much more kind of we're not going to do a coup against you you know <laughs> could we just like drop a grand piano on him or something <laughs> drill as usual boys i think his his incredibly flat hair is like a plateau and it would somehow like yeah the piano would just be caught in it but 
yeah, no, you you are right in a in a big way, which is the the Corbyn movement when it did spring up in twenty fifteen. A lot of it came from the anti austerity movement, um, and it you know things that weren't necessarily tied to the Labour Party. A lot of the people who were enthusiastic about Corbyn at the start had noticed him being a vocal anti war advocate, which is obviously one of the things that was used to skewer him eventually. It's uh, classic technique of turning one of someone's yeah, biggest positives into their uh, into a negative against them so yeah you're you're definitely right that there needs to be a focus outside on extra parliamentary activity but i guess a question spring off from that um would be what if you're like not big on activism anyway what if you're not a particularly active member of a labor party and in that case don't don't give them your money <laughs> like up oh, in, increase your union dues or something like give it to a food bank not not the like, gmb <laughs> <laughs> join the industrial workers of the world by the way well that's uh, mike gates will be issuing similar advice in a forthcoming gate cast <laughs> anarcho gates yeah it's, it's inevitable he's, he's been a stalinist he's gone through his establishment phase he's coming to the end of it now having having lost the power he worked so hard for it's only a matter of time before he, he turns against all the institution's very existence Grind, have you got any more thoughts on the, on the, the labor debate and there's a brilliant half man half biscuit song called took problem chimp to the ideal home show and that is essentially at the moment my the deciding factor in why I'm still in the party, why I've not cancelled my direct debit or anything like that. It's like, yeah. if if there's no nothing alternative building up yet, obviously, and yeah. Um, yeah. we can't take the party back this quickly, then I'm at least going to get my four quid a month or whatever it is worth in uh, in trolling from within. Um, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I mean, exactly. It's just like Gapes didn't leave for Cook until yeah. it was sure to be a raging success. I'm going to be such a wrecker. I'm going to be the Michael Chesham of the left. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, respect to people who stop back and wreck. Some of the um, some of the complaints that like Jimothy Baker's put oh, in, uh, <laughs> he's a machine. He's a machine. I don't know how he has time for that and his Wikipedia edits and writing half the the gatecasts and things like that. More than half. While having, probably more than half, while having a day job as well. <laughs> yeah. The, the guy is just uh, an all-time legend of shitposting. Practical wrecking, yeah. Just, just point, most of it is just pointing out when they're being shit, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. It's quite often it's, now, isn't it? It's all the time. I thought, like, I thought there was going to be a range within Starmer, like best best case scenario... Far worse than Corbyn, but could be a lot worse. Uh, worst case scenario, it, it, it'd be pretty awful. bad, but he's, he's exceeded already. Like uh, we were saying earlier, with this government and so on. But like, I, I think it's like he was scientifically designed yeah. to get on my tits as well. Like I just ca- I can't listen to his voice. It, it it's like nails scratching down a blackboard to me. It's fucking horrible. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the, the official death toll um, is going to reach 30,000 tomorrow from coronavirus and they've chosen this moment of all moments to be like, no, you cannot criticise the government at all it's got, not the time got to support the government, bro. it's not the time when, when is there going to be a better time to criticise the government than when yeah. thousands yeah. of people are dying preventable deaths every week as a direct and a very obvious result of government policy and government inaction he's going to wait for the post-mortem and do it forensically <laughs> like a twat 
<laughs> the one I said the time that I've considered most leaving the Labour Party since Keir Starmer became leader was that I logged onto Twitter one day and I saw Keir read an article in our good friends the Daily Mail. I was like, fantastic, Ooh. this is really where the kind of uh, publication we want to be yep. legitimising. That was before I read the article. Has he been in the sun yet? Uh, not sure, actually. He wrote a piece for The Times today, which is, you know, it's all Murdoch, isn't it? So, um, but The Times uh, published David Irving as well, didn't they? Oh, they did, yeah, under the editorship of Andrew Neil. Yes. And uh, <laughs> who, who, interestingly, was defending Michael Gove yesterday. I can't think why that would be in his interest to do. But um, <laughs> He's on Epstein's list as well as half the book. Oh, yeah. Oh, Andrew, Andrew Neil, Neil is, I think he's got a few phone numbers in there. He's uh, a very, yeah. So does Michael White, oh. of all people. <laughs> Michael Shite. Michael Shite. He's <laughs> uh, head like a cock. This is before I read Keir Starmer. Yeah, I, in the time, that's I how saw, you I saw, No, I saw that he'd done a piece for the mail, and I was like, oh, fuck this, I actually might leave. And then I read it, and it was just like, We've got to support the government. The government are trying really hard. I was like, I, w I would rather that you just wrote a piece which was just like, no, that's literally, that's it. Like, like I'd rather he went full Daily Mail and actually had the courage of his convictions in moving the party to the right than that he just would put out some pathetic shit like that. We've got to support the government. And that's the, that's basically the uh, defining trait of Starmer's party so far, is yeah. that they won't point the finger, yeah. in the words of Shadow Chancellor Annalise Dodds. Uh, John McDonnell... Um, endorsed her for chancellor i believe uh john mcdonald uh, a great the economic ideas uh so made some strategic errors over the last couple of years i think he often gives a lot nice. of a you become too nice like endorsing liam Byrne and stuff and yeah yeah so he's he's basically co-signed like the most horrific step down from him she was on question time with with the hated george osborne and she was like let's not point the finger that's the thing. They 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 they're the grown ups in the room. They're back, and they won't point the finger, even if George Osborne is literally sitting next to them and they're talking about the effects of austerity. I, I think the great propaganda success of the yeah. Labour Party in the Corbyn era was um, that they were able to actually legitimise the idea that austerity was a political choice, cruelly enacted by the Conservative Party. Well, that seems to be out the window. Like, you know, I remember Ed Miliband's Labour having more fighting spirit. Maybe like 0.1% more fighting spirit than this. But still, like, Ed himself would sometimes be like, the, the establishment are bad. <laughs> it, it, it sometimes I mean, say I mean, something good and then back down on it a week later when all the the dickhead uh, big beasts of Blair and Brown's governments attacked him. Starman, yeah, and Starman's of course, like just right from the start, like, no, let's be nice to the government. Let's be so nice. And of course, Ed Miliband is now back in the shadow cabinet and he wrote in a piece for The Guardian, which actually had some all right ideas in there, but it was just couched in the most perfect like Ed Miliband the leader at his worst Aww. kind of terms but just what, what's the article it's all about we need a new deal between business and labour and, and it's like the, the deal needs to be labour telling business we're having that that's what the deal yeah, these needs are to be. opposing interests like and so many of us thought that oh that's kind of been like the lesson we've learned of the Corbyn era like maybe the dickhead right-wing headbangers haven't learnt it but the kind of like the more reasonable 
uh, centre-left people like Ed Miliband or like Keir Starmer have learned that we have got to be that little bit more confrontational. We've got to set out our stall in opposition to what the other people are saying. They have not learned a fucking thing. That was just them, like, just be doing the bare minimum not to step on Jeremy Corbyn's toes, which, to be fair, is more than most MPs bothered doing. But, <laughs> you know, this is literally, like, the most stunning regression. I know I'm supposed to be arguing in favour of staying in the party here, by the way. Yeah, that's, that's going well, yeah. yeah. I, I wonder what we're going to decide at the end of this. <laughs> <laughs> He's just a dick, yeah. though, isn't he? <laughs> I mean, Leaven just promised to come back when he's gone. But, but I, don't, I don't want to personalise it like that, though. It's not that I think... I mean, I have a lot of problems with Starmer, but it's not that I think he's uniquely unsuited for the job, you know? I do think he's unsuited for the job, but not uniquely so. Uh, and I, that's why I hated. I thought all the, the kind of the stuff about Corbyn being unsuited for the job was like, it was just so much of a hateful personal demonization campaign where they could have just been like look just admit it corbyn's not a uniquely bad individual you just don't like left-wing politics that's fine you're right wing i am left wing i don't think that keir starmer is 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 like the most unqualified person to leave the party although as i say he has been terrible so far um I just hate everything he represents politically. <laughs> that, that's it. It's not about Keir. If it was literally any of the, like, drones of the right of the Why PLP. Why not hit both? Why not hit both, man? <laughs> <laughs> I, well, you know, I, I don't like him. I don't know. He, I, he, re- he really, really just gets on my tits. It's just, I think what gets me is just the fact that his, uh, to, to return to the terms I used at, like towards the start of this conversation, his leadership seems to be so much pitched at reassuring smart people, quote unquote, and serious people, quote unquote, that the grown-ups are back in the room. And for me, that just shows like no analysis of like power relations or, or of how I, like ideology is reinforced or power is maintained. Uh, just a kind of an unquestioning attitude to received wisdom and, and an often incredibly reactionary political consensus. And yeah, just just a real kind of like snivelling debasement that actually reminds me more of the Lisa Nandy campaign than Starmer's own campaign, which was just like a content vacuum. There was just no substance to Starmer's, whereas Nandy's, the substance of it was like, we're shit, we are terrible, Labour are terrible. Obviously the stuff that I'm saying is shit is not the stuff that I was doing, so it's implicitly just an attack on, like, everyone on the left. But, yeah, Labour are shit. We have to be honest about what the mistakes we've made, by which I mean all these other people in the party, not me. That's what Starmer's leadership makes me think of, you know? Just the prostration before media. Really, I'm just gonna keep saying like pathetic and cowardly, but that that yeah. that's how I view it. And for me, like the 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 cherry on the top of this utter fucking abject well of cowardice has been the resignation of Jenny Formby. I'm not calling Formby a coward for resigning because I think she was forced out. She's had incredible pressure on her for a long time as well. There's talk that Starmer wanted her out from the day he became leader that he discussed. I think with her, or at least with others, getting her out on the very day he became leader. But this is a woman who is, uh, I saw a picture today of her 
on stage with Jeremy Corbyn and her hair was just starting to grow back after her chemotherapy treatment. She looked reasonably healthy, but, you know, like somebody who was recovering from cancer. And it's just remarkable to me that there were so many of these stories, like when Luciana Berger was pregnant, people basically made out that people were persecuting her for being pregnant by repeatedly mentioning oh people are like harassing this pregnant woman but when it's somebody on the left who's suffering from cancer and getting chemotherapy that very rarely factored in say um outside of the left in in how people discuss say tom watson's public criticisms of her which i think it's like fair to say involved lying about her and mischaracterizing her actions. And in fact, Watson was far mm. from the only person to do that. Like that Panorama documentary that aired on the BBC completely mischaracterizes Formby's actions and her attitude towards being general secretary of the Labour Party. And it has all these like her as a sinister figure looming over Jeremy Corbyn and like her and the, the, the like horror movie music in the background. <laughs> Just a total hack piece of shit like I'm, I'm more and more convinced by the day that like the moral case against corbynism is is just in tatters after the labor report but that, mm. that that's something for a, for another day but yeah the formby thing what are you guys thoughts on that because all the people who have been raised as replacements to her are appalling suggestions including the one who is quote unquote on the left they're all they're all a big mm. step down from jenny formby and it's a shame just that they're like you say, there's the, the comparison with our, our ones have walked where a C in McNichol had to be fucking bought off with a, a you know, peerage and all this shit, yeah. you know, a lordship. It's just grim. It just seems like we're not, as a faction, prepared to fight dirty when it's necessary or even just to dig in um, in the same way that your, your Labour First types, your hardline factional campaigners on the centre-right and right will always be willing and by this point quite able because they've been doing it for decades to do yeah yeah i mean very quickly to interject like this is what i was saying earlier when i mentioned that the corbyn movement didn't because they were trying to keep the party together all this time mm -hmm. they didn't make the effort to make their supporters aware of what uh, the forces arrayed against left politics yeah. that they could have done so it's mm. great that this report is out now it's to some extent vindicating for people on the left it, it gives a different side to what we've heard about the last few years but it almost needed to come out last year sometime before the general election yeah but that it, people needed this vindication while we could still keep the party together we needed to know that yes there were people in the Labour Party who had been actively working against the party's success and have explicit evidence of that presented. I understand why this couldn't have happened sooner, and especially the release of this. I mean, did this exist before the election? I'm guessing it did. It's from 2014 to 2019, isn't it? So maybe it was compiled earlier in 2019. I could be wrong. Mm. It might be towards the end of last year or... It might may have only been completed recently. I don't know. It's it's just a shame that nobody um, on the party staff was enough of a shit stirrer to put it out. Maybe during the election or something, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that who knows if there's some connection between that document being leaked and then Formby um, stepping down from her role. But I think essentially the reason that Starmer wanted her out is because she is associated with Labour's anti-Semitism scandal. 
Well, it just goes to show, doesn't it, how quickly the sort of supposed gains we made within the party can be and are being swept yeah. away, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But notice that it's associated, not necessarily guilty or culpable. I'm not quoting anything here. This is only my interpretation of it. But I really do think it's that. It's not that she did anything wrong herself. In fact, I think the document shows her to be about ten times the opponent of anti-Semitism that her predecessor, Ian McNichol, was. It is literally just that the right-wing media put a mark on her head. And that means that instead of defend our person, they're out. I guess she's not Keir Starmer's person. He sees her as Corbyn's person. But... But then will he, will he defend his own? I mean, he, he about the only strong feeling I seem to have got from him is how much he seems to want to shag the Queen, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I think that almost makes me think of something. You remember where, a couple of years ago um, when Emma Dent Code got in trouble with the media? This was sadly before she lost her seat because of the Observer. But mm. she, like, made some hilarious comments about Prince Harry, like, not even being able to fly a plane. She just <laughs> absolutely ripped the shit out of Prince Harry and the right wing went for her. And I literally think that she would be reprimanded now <laughs> in a in a hard... I mean, may, who knows? Maybe she got a r- little slap on the wrist at the time. But I, what was it the other day? Was it Lloyd Russell Moyle? I know, as you mentioned earlier, McCats, there are people have fair issues with Lloyd, particularly for being a <laughs> landlord. But um, but he made a perfectly reasonable comment, wasn't, wasn't it, about um, the Tories are basically guilty of social murder? It was an echo of comments that John McDonnell made, in fact, when he was Shadow Chancellor. And then a Labour spokesman issued a statement like, this is terrible inflammatory language. (laughs) Fuck fuck you. They just see it all as an elite game that you, you dress up nicely for. And it's about having a specific set of skills. It's about being a talented professional, which obviously entails having the right politics and being smart which obviously means having gone to the right uni. And it's just on and on. They've just got this rigid criteria for what acceptable politics is, which shuts out anything radical and anything inspiring as well. This is what the Labour Party tweeted on... No, on Keir Starmer tweeted on his account the other day. Hang on. I want, I want to quote this because it was uh, real fire and brimstone stuff, let me tell you. I was incredibly inspired by it. I found it roughly as inspiring as that tweet for Lexit Lover 69 I think that's his username. That he did, which was like, Keir Starmer wants the lockdown to end so that he can speak to 40 dads that the world maintained. <laughs> <laughs> and genuinely, this from Keir Starmer, which I've got up now, is exactly as inspiring a slogan as the world maintained. Labour's goal is to improve the country we live in because we love the country we live in. Oh, the world improved. Oh, wow. I I can't. All right. There's no way I'm fucking cashing in that membership now. I've always wanted to improve the world. Is this part of his progressive nationalism shit as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the other thing we've noticed. Not that it ever went away under Corbyn, but we always knew Corbyn was the kind of guy who, were he not leader of the Labour Party, would do a tweet celebrating Ramadan, but not one do it celebrating St. George's Day. You know, (laughs) that's the kind of guy that Corbyn is. But yeah, when he was leader, they did the odd nod 
to uh, to patriotism and so forth. But that shit seems to be back in a pretty big way now under Starmer. Yeah, in a very short space of time. It's every interview, or even like chats with members of the public and so on, you know? He was getting some absurd right-wing nationalist type questions and just not really pushing back. He was like, you know, I, this is when he was mm. giving his answers about patriotism and so on and not just being like, but also don't be a mad old racist cunt, you know? Um, oh, yeah, he was asked to... This is like oh, a Q&A yeah. he did. Well, you and he was asked to condemn show. Diane Abbott for her quote-unquote anti-patriotism. Yeah, and also Clive Flower. Lewis was the, 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 the second of the two examples they gave. Now, oh, I don't oh, like Clive Lewis for a number of reasons, but I think the only reason you'd lump those two together and only those two, you know, that the fact that it was just those two means mm. it's not just, oh, they're, they're both quite left-wing, I don't like that. It's, you know... Yeah, and also, like, this is the kind of thing where a lot of us, we fucking hate the EU, but we're concerned about the kind of rise in racist and nationalistic sentiment around Brexit. Whereas it's the opposite with Fakir Starmer types, where (laughs) he's just kind of like, oh, well, no, I don't uh, want us to leave my precious trade agreement. But yeah, no, I yeah, Diane Abbott, terrible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Clive Lewis said that hate crimes were rising in 2016 after the referendum. Well, I have to have a word. The the racism is good so long as we keep it to like the 7 out of 10 racism, you know, keep it respectable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, hey, let's not be fucking racist to my cleaner from France, okay? My white cleaner from France. Um, <laughs> I took her very well, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of what I hate about the party. But yeah, we mentioned Diane Abbott. So there's this other thing where she was on a Zoom call where she supposedly shared a platform with uh, the expelled Labour members, Jackie Walker and Tony Greenstein, mm-hmm. in the same way I shared a platform with that guy who hijacked the Zoom call I was on to post a snuff video. Uh, the other day uh, yeah that's my, my clo- close political ally and personal friend uh the snuff video guy was one of our listeners let's be honest right we, we, <laughs> we've been in fuck, dms with some of these you. people <laughs> fuck you whoever you are i didn't want to see that like that's no sick. that was if it was great if you was it not you? Greg. Was it that elf from the air force? Yeah, yeah, probably no, that guy. Have, no, 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 because the getting, guy. Wa- it was a video chat. We'd have seen him getting carried away on the webcam as soon as that finished. The, like, <laughs> the dude wasn't. The dude wasn't dead yet. If yeah. it was that guy, then it yeah. would have been like pre dead. He'd have left the aftermath running, you know, because that, that's the bit he's building up for. If, if, if you're yeah, him. exactly. Yeah, he would have been like, "Here's yeah. one I prepared earlier." You've got to wait for the body to cool down first. It's not the same. That's not fair. But yeah, so Diane Abbott and fellow left-wing black woman MP, Belle Ribeiro Addy, who mm. was part of the 29 intake, was very briefly shadow immigration minister before Keir Starmer was oh, like, fuck nah, fuck this, <laughs> and sacked her and didn't give her a job. But that's fine because, you know, I don't want campaign group MPs to be in the Keir Starmer shadow cabinet anyway. Belle Ribeiro Addy is now co-chair of the campaign group with Ian Means, I think, and Richard Bergen is secretary and John McDonnell is um, treasurer. But basically, one of the things is that outside in the mainstream of the Labour Party, right, so in the campaign group, which is the part of Labour that I support, Bell Ribeiro Addy is one of the chairs. In the normal Labour Party outside, in Keir Starmer's Labour Party, Bell Ribeiro Addy is, along with Diane Abbott, somebody who Keir Starmer is currently being pressured 
to sack for that Zoom call on which they supposedly shared a platform of people who, as far as I can see, were just witnessing yeah. this event. So that for me, that's why I, I, I still want to offer the left of the party my solidarity and stay in to support people like Diane and people like Bell. I think I might leave the party if they did kick Diane Abbott out, because for me, that would be a, a slap in the face of just any kind of my mm. principle i think that can't really be on the card surely it can't but it but it is a demand of the board of deputies and the campaign against anti-semitism a government-funded charitable organization for me like that's kind of like but there's such a stark difference between the kind of discourses overtaking the party where anti-racism is kicking diane abbott out with your party and uh, as along with a younger black woman who's on the left mm. it's a sort of unreality that we living though like I, I'm sort of reaching the point where I just wouldn't put it past our society to allow that to happen to sort of actively cheer it on it's just like upset I mean, <laughs> it's like an upside down world man like what the fuck I, I feel bad for, for <laughs> Belle Ribeiro Addy because she's someone that's been a victim of a very harsh treatment from another current Labour MP in the past when her and, and Wes Treating were both involved in NUS politics and uh, uh, yeah. Wes Streeting had her censured for protesting against the BNP. <laughs> what? What? Why? What was his rationale so, for that? So I vaguely remember the, the incident because it was when I was fairly early in my degree in Dundee. And I, for my sins, um, got involved with the debating lot who were all right in Dundee. But uh, a lot of the ones when you went to competitions and that were arseholes. And there was a big controversy because Durham University, one of the least surprising places for this to happen at, had in one of their in-house debates, uh, again, you you can tell they're they're posh cunts because they had a budget to actually invite guest speakers that weren't just people from that university. They they had a a debate on the far right, I think it was, or on political extremism. They invited Victor Orban. They invited two two BNP speakers. (laughs) The guy who wasn't Nick Griffin but was an MEP was Andrew Bronze. He was like a veteran... Far right academic. Um, oh, a oh, oh, far right academic. Yeah. I'm sure he had plenty I, I of copies of David Irving's collected work. Same vein, less successful. But he was an MEP at this point. <laughs> he was quite high profile. They invited him, and they invited like a local BMP activist in the area as well. And um, but if I remember rightly, the students' union basically said, "No, you can't do that. We're stopping that event." And then it all kicked off because, like. The NUS leadership, which was like Wes Streeting and, and his mates, were basically shitting themselves about that because they'd sort of initially been like, yeah, fair enough, stop the BMP talking. And then I think they'd got the fear of like being uh, characterised as lefty trots trying to ban free speech and so on. So they, they said, no, like, no, this has to go ahead and stuff like that. You have to be allowed to have events like that. So they actually censured people like Bell Ribeiro Addy for protesting against these events. Well, now he's a shadow minister and she isn't. So yeah, up yours, Bell, like that. this guy yeah. who's just she been was... a fucking wrecking scumbag wow. for five years yeah. and now he's a minister and you're not. She was the, um, <sighs> the black student's officer at the time. That was the position she held, okay? And she basically protested it. And a group called the Durham University Students for Freedom of Speech if you can imagine the state of these people, they had a massive strop in the press and, and everyone saying, oh, the, the NUS are going to bust loads of people out to protest our local event and so on. It did go ahead in the end, but they basically 
fucking straight in and toe, just caved into that pressure from like an ultra marginal, tiny, complete non-entity group, and just started censoring basically his own uh, organization's black students officer for speaking up against a racist party. Oh, wow. so so for balance, as well as Andrew Bronze, the BMP MEP, and a BMP councillor from Leeds, for balance they invited uh, Colvia Ranger, an advisor to Boris Johnson, and Conservative MP oh. Edward Lay. So oh, all, that's, all, that's all political stripes are racist there. The nudge nudge <laughs> wink racism oh, and outright hell. racism, all the political spectrum. <laughs> That is the allowed spectrum of political thought in the UK, yeah. though, to be fair to them. Yeah, that's like most of these bookshelves. It's just like, they've got, on the left, they've got Churchill. On the right, they've got David Irving. So when this came up back out, sort of came back to light a couple of months ago, now both Streetin and uh, Rivero Eddy are more famous, more higher profile than they were at the time. There's people, like, debating it on Reddit and stuff, and there's little arseholes popping up with stuff like, oh, yeah, she was campaigning against this in conjunction with the SWP and their front groups. I'm like, right, the SWP are cunts, right? But they're not... You shouldn't support the BNP because a weird, <laughs> abusive drop cult also oppose the BNP. That's one of the well, positions they're the right thing, on. This is the thing with these people. They've always got some reason why the left are tarnished and therefore they've got to take the side of the right. It's been in total evidence with the bookcase thing. There's been like, well, on the one hand, Michael Gove has David Irving on his bookshelf, but if Jeremy Corbyn had David Irving on his bookshelf, that would be so much worse. Yes. So I think that the real villain here is Jeremy Corbyn. Jeremy and Corbyn fucking Owen Jones, that bastard! I'm gonna kill that fucking Owen Jones! <laughs> That's <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's it, I think. The only certainties in these people's world are the sun rises in the morning, and uh, they hope someone kills Owen Jones soon, basically. Yeah. That's, yes. <laughs> that's how their mind works. Someone rid us of this troublesome columnist. Same old drill as usual, boys! Do we want to talk any more about Starmer's party or any or anything? No, fed up, like fed that, up of it really. get rid. <laughs> <laughs> I find it so kind of depressing because I just thought there was, a, there was a few things we could take solace in about the Corbyn moment, which was... That a lesson had been learned that you do have to have some kind of oppositional stance to the status quo. I thought just a few other things as well, like the unions being an integral part of the labour movement, was just now set in stone after seeming genuinely under threat under Ed Miliband. Or just something mm. like that the principle of austerity was just fundamentally wrong and immoral and intellectually indefensible. And I think I see, you can see the trickle of austerian rhetoric coming back into what mm. they're talking about. Almost like they're setting the stage for a new round of post-corona austerity, which I it's, certainly think the Conservatives are doing. It's definitely slipping away and he, he, there's a lot of whispers that I'm hearing now about him kind of putting his foot down and stuff and like say, saying that like not everyone needs to open the mouth in briefings and stuff like that and um, I think he was um, talking about the NEC or something like all all decisions now have to go through the leadership office or something. Well there's the quote today which was the awful Blairite MP Bridget Phillipson who has now, oh, <laughs> now had some kind of economic role in the Shadow Cabinet right. which is lovely. Yeah, so does Wes Streeting. All the um, talents. But, 
Minister for Mackie D. <laughs> but basically she was saying that, yeah, now if a shadow minister comes out with something that basically overrides Labour's like spending controls, then they'll be sacked or they'll, you know, they're just not, they're not allowed to do it anyway. Um, what I will say is that this isn't entirely unprecedented because this was the excuse they found to sack Chris Liability Williamson from Corbyn's shadow cabinet. But yeah, I, I, I think that it is slightly worrying given the absolutely meagre fucking gruel that Starmer's shadow cabinet are suggesting in terms of policy and it doesn't give for left-wingers in the shadow cabinet such as Andy MacDonald at the Department of Labour or um, Rebecca Long-Bailey at Education much room to manoeuvre. Yeah. Mm. Just want to say, Chris Williamson as well. Like he seems to be making a comeback on the uh, timeline and such. Like it's really fucking creeping me out. Well, that's the thing about if we're talking about if do we jump ship from Labour? I think the Labour leak weirdly sort of helped him along. Well, he 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 needs to fuck off into (laughs) Galloway's party. He comes across very badly in the in the report actually. And yeah, the the thing I would say is. That one of the reasons I'm slightly worried about um, the well, I'm very dubious about the prospects of setting up a left-wing alternative to the Labour Party is I just kind of worry that a lot of people like Chris Williamson would flood into it, and that also <laughs> if it didn't take people like Chris Williamson, then it would be kind of an insubstantial force because a lot of the people who have like completely said like fuck the Labour Party have done so because they've been like driven out because they're their cranks or like you know <laughs> so a lot of the people yeah. who might uh, there might be like a whisper that goes through like the canary verse which is just kind of like yeah there's this new party and then it just instantly gets filled up with like the Labour against the witch hunt people like AWL people and all the worst fucking people on the left but like I say I would much rather I don't believe in just like completely excluding all those people from politics i'd much rather try and bring some of those type the the, the less kind of like hard and bigot types of those yeah. people so, into a more kind of like uh, legitimate political movement so that's the thing that i worry that a kind of a new party would be like the uh i worry that it would be just kind of a chaotic thing with just all these rival left factions just kind of vying for control and all of them have been kind of excluded from mainstream politics some unfairly and some fairly <laughs> and they're all I mean, kind of I mean it's sort of um, it's sort of the risk anyway yeah. though isn't it like um, even even the Labour Party has to kind of work to keep people like that out and to somehow cohere a bunch of factions that don't like each other very much and yeah they you know as we've discussed they do like a bit of a shit job of that that's for a new party to sort out isn't it like obviously you don't you don't want to be letting george galloway in or whatever but um i just feel like any sort of effort expended in the machine that um that we term the big l labor party is just sort of unfortunately wasted and it's heartbreaking as well because like you know i know like tons of people who like knock thousands of doors up and down the country and stuff just for like the party itself that they were working for to fucking turn around yeah. and uh, and throw it back at them you know yeah and yeah. like what 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 sort of safeguard is there to stop that happening again even if we did miraculously uh, disappear Starmer somehow and um, <laughs> put him in a, on a shipping container and <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I mean, something that gives me optimism for the prospects of the left in the Labour Party is London Young Labour. So when I joined the Labour Party, London Young Labour were like a Blairite backwater. They were absolute shit. They were run by one of the biggest melt con- concern trolls on the left. Uh, on the center left who uh and <laughs> really just uh just just like uh, if, if you went on their facebook page it was all just like oh which labor mp was you most like to deselect overwhelming majority for diane abbott that was london young labor when i joined i literally i got kicked out of the facebook group um Ooh. almost i almost got kicked out of the facebook group because i was like ripping on people from it by posting their <laughs> screenshots of them on twitter before they could kick me out of the facebook group i deactivated my facebook account because the daily mail were after me so actually i never got kicked out of the group but Anyway, London Young Labour have moved on leaps and bounds since those dark days of 2017, not even too long ago. And today they tweeted, on this day in 1981, socialist and Republican Bobby Sands died as a prisoner of war following a hunger strike during which he became an elected MP. We remember him and continue to fight for an end to imperialism and a free and united Ireland. Now you can say this is just kind of gesture politics. It's a, this is great. This is a lovely sentiment, but what kind of concrete impact does it have? Well, I'll tell you what kind of concrete impact it has. It really fucking pisses off melts. And for me at this yeah. point, we got to take what we can get. Like these are dark times, and I'm glad that there's some comrades yeah. in the Labour Party rattling even the soft left, uh, especially the soft left, probably <laughs> by just posting like, "Yeah, Bobby Sands, <laughs> United Ireland." <laughs> it's great. It really did boil some piss, that, yeah. actually, but it's righteous as well. It's good for well, it's good it for is. like smoking out all the people branding as soft left who are actually just really reactionary right wing, you know. Exactly. I mean, so, so, soft left needs to be binned. It's, like, yeah, the, 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 it's the soft right of the Labour yeah. Party, yeah. really. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, this is real piss-boiling. They not only did their own tweet about Bobby Sands, they retweeted Sinn Féin doing <laughs> their tweet about Bobby Sands with an, <laughs> yeah. an eight-minute documentary. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's a, no wonder that the melts are pissed off. And they also tweeted today, Today we remember Karl Marx and his titanic legacy of thought. Marx taught us that the engine of history is fueled by the workers, that with our organised, disciplined action, we can change the world. To strive for socialism in our lifetimes is the only way to truly honour him. <laughs> Come on, that's that is so good. Look, it's a lockdown. Like, <laughs> we're all just at home on Twitter, just yeah. <laughs> pursuing our sectarian beefs and so on. Yeah. What else is there to do? Like, why why not tweet about Bobby Sands today? There's no other and, sport and also, going on at the moment, you know. I thought that it was kind of a pretty standard thing to agree. Bobby Sands was mistreated in prison and should have been recognised as a political prisoner. Maybe I'm just slightly biased because, like, it's maybe like a filmmaker who I don't see as particularly left wing makes a film about something, and I think, oh, okay, that's just like liberal consensus now. But Steve McQueen's film Hunger about Bobby Sands came out like 12 years ago and was widely acclaimed. And I swear that around then people were much more like. 
yeah, you know, Bobby Sands clearly was a political prisoner. Mm. But now it's all just apparently this, like, dumbass fucking, like, terrorist goddamn. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the culture war stuff hadn't really set in by then, though, had it? Like, now mm. it really is. It's absolutely rabid. It's, um, that you just have to sort of say the T word and people are, like, raging, wanting the death penalty brought back and all sorts. It's uh, really grim. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And, and also, we've incidentally got a London Young Labour page there promoting a Q&A with Zara Sultana, one of the most promising MPs on the left, who incidentally is just absolutely being viciously vilified by people on the soft left at the moment. But yeah, like I feel like these people in London Young Labour, that's obviously, that's a small example because right now everyone is kind of like stuck online and so it's not like they're organising a mass political education initiative. But I know there are still people in the left, uh, on, on in Labour, sorry, on the left, who are really interested in doing that kind of thing. And like I said before, I think the Corbyn movement was just so unprecedented that there's kind of, I, I think there's still hope. It just seems kind of hopeless right now. It's not sure yet exactly what form that's even likely to take, but mm. it's yeah. not. No. The energy hasn't completely dissipated. It's just I mean, not I, really got an outlet right now. I hope all that momentum doesn't just sort of disappear, but like I'm starting to get worried that like for example i mean like the sheer amount of people who um voted for starmer like mm. in proportion yeah. to long bailey and yeah. stuff like I, I i genuinely wonder whether a lot of people who genuinely were supportive of corbyn while he was leader are simply like pure died in the world sort of team red labor people yeah and that's about the extent of their politics think- and it's just whoever's labor leader they'll like the fast bulk of them will follow and it's how many of the new members have been absorbed into that mass rather Mm -hmm. than the sort of agitators or people who are dissatisfied with it you can see in real time younger members of the party effectively having the dogma of 1983 drilled into their heads yeah i don't don't want to say getting groomed but uh, I've no. just exa- said exactly that, so leave it in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Starmer, Starmer's grooming them. Starmer's a groomer. <laughs> like, um, like, like, uh, like Ian Austin grooms sheep. <laughs> well, that just means giving them a, their fur a nice trim. Yeah, yeah that's definitely uh, what we no. mean. I'm just, just, just getting, just getting all yeah. the tropes. Got to have them looking nice before he fucks them. So you know. <laughs> keeping that in. Anyway, I think part of the Starmer thing. It came from, like, I think partly some people who liked Corbyn didn't like Becky because of a bit of good old-fashioned sexism. Yeah, definitely. Partly she just wasn't as, like, she didn't have, like, the weight of history behind her like Corbyn did. Mm -hmm. And Starmer was able to channel that history as well because being a bit older and having his record as a lawyer, which is quite impressive before his dreadful record as DPP, which, you know, he was able to leverage to kind of say, look, I've been part of this grand historic struggle, just like Jeremy was. Although I'm not Jeremy, I'm much more acceptable. He Mm. kind of said during the campaign, like, I'm almost a bit like Jeremy, but, uh, you know, you can actually, like, show me to the media and they won't shit themselves and, like, start shooting you with a gun. It's wild though, like this like Knight of the Realm QC, like he should be at the like leadership of a fucking windmill, <laughs> not the Labour Party. Like <laughs> Yeah, you're 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 so right. He is purely like he's the establishment. He is the um I've heard people say the state's man within Labour because obviously He's a Batman villain. He's fucking horrible. <laughs> so I think like a lot of 
his support was like yeah some people who kind of yeah were kind of naive and gullible and saw him as maybe even a bit of a continuation of what Corbyn was doing in a way that for some reason they didn't see RLB I mean I think also personally I do think Jeremy Corbyn's politics are a bit better and more inspiring than RLB's but like I literally Jeremy Corbyn is my favourite MP in Parliament he's the mm. MP with the best politics so again I think I'm not trying to talk down Becky here but there are various reasons why he grabbed people's hearts and minds you know yeah and Starmer had this other thing that Corbyn actually had in 2015 as well which was the shock of an election defeat Corbyn was able to make people think well we kind of strayed too far from our principles in 2015 just as Starmer was able to say yeah we kind of went too close to our principles <laughs> and loads of people have it's so depressing how many people have internalized that all the little careerish shitbags who were talking left after who suddenly they were on the soft left after 2017 when previously they'd been like progress through and through now they're all just like fully admitting that they just disagree with left-wing politics and in a way it's kind of refreshing but it's also disgusting and vile <laughs> what they're doing well he so he did a good job didn't he during his campaign of um of sort of like pretending to the left pretty much until like the postal votes had been submitted where his whole shtick was that he was going to be sort of corbynism without corbyn he'd keep the manifesto but he'd mm. just put like a stern loyally face on it yeah and and then towards the end of the campaign it sort of became obvious who his campaign team were um like that uh, was it matt bell is that is that the what's his name communications guy, guy who would come from the Matt Pound, Matt Pound, that's the one. Yeah, both a dollar and a pound um, bargain. <laughs> bargain basement like, folk rocker. Like all that came out, and then the second he became leader, he's try. You know, he's swapping general secretary and stuff, and yeah. um, it's just he sacked uh, almost I think all the, the left ma- from the shadow cabinet. The mask's off now, isn't it? Yeah. You know. Well, it's just when when he got in, he was just like Ian Lavery, Richard Bergen, John Trickett, like served under Gordon Brown and Ed Miliband, but just too much, too much of a Corbynite, you know. Um, <laughs> but he just got rid of like all the Northern MPs who'd been skeptical of the shit second referendum policy, like ditched most of the Black MPs, especially <laughs> from Parliament. I mean, to be fair, like Diane Abbott was stepping down anyway, but Diane Abbott to Nick Thomas Simmons is just as awful of a step down as John McDonnell to Annalisa Dodds or Jeremy Corbyn to Keir Starmer. Really, like, just just a, yeah. such an uninspiring figure. That video of him clapping is amazing. It's not a great uh, cabinet, is it? It's honestly awful, but I, I think I, I said earlier, like, like, I do resent Starmer for actually sacking loyal people like Bergen and so on, but on the other hand, I'm glad for somebody like Bergen, who's a committed leftist, is now a backbench representative of a campaign group who can actually yeah. maybe speak a bit more for our type of politics than... <laughs> At least they're not getting tainted by, uh, well, by Kia. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It feels like he's almost bought off half the campaign group by giving them these junior ministerial role all of a sudden. Like, LRM, Dan Carden. Dan Carden has a job. Uh, Dan Carden, a loyal MP has the same job as, I guess, loyal to the previous guy, but a guy who's not actively <laughs> fucked Labour up at every opportunity has the same role as Wes Streeting now. They've got the same level job in the Shadow Treasury team. It's just vile, just seeing treachery rewarded. I hate it. 
So that's why I'm staying in the Labour Party. (laughs) Good luck. You've you've really sold it to me. I'm going to start my direct debit back up. Fired up right now. Sellotape my card back together. (laughs) (laughs) Make your own, get some red card or something, draw your name on it and a a crap version of the logo. Be like, no, I, I never got rid of my old one. What are you on about? Never quit. Why did I ever buy those toenail clippers? I should have let them grow long and unruly. It's uh, it's difficult times for the left, you know. Maybe if we were in America, then I would just be saying, par off the Democratic Party forever, they don't deserve your vote. But I don't think Keir Starmer will last five years. People seem very impatient with leaders now, (laughs) in a way. It's like like Italy in the 1970s, when every week the Prime Minister would get shot. That's what Britain's like now with British political party leaders like we look at the lib dems they can't keep one for more than a fucking week so i don't think starmer is going to stay there for four years but there's a big worry that he'll be replaced by someone who's actually more right wing yeah david Miliband. oh, oh god. god i hope nice. that fucking spook never comes back i think the ship's long sail on that one but they'll ride riding back on a surfboard made out of tilda rice packets <laughs> he's he's coming he's waiting for his time he, he might have to wait until he's gone gray like blair looking a bit skeletal like but he'll be back do you reckon blair's gonna like kill him and steal his skin and be like i'm back i'm david Miliband. i'm ready to leave <laughs> <laughs> he's one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse david Miliband. he's definitely coming back just a CIA sign of the end time. Who are the other three, do you reckon? Just out of interest. Gates, <laughs> Rental. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking of supernatural beings here. Yeah. Alright, just, 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 alright, I think we should wrap up in a sec, but just here's the kind of shit that the biggest melts in the world are saying right now. Right. Bobby Sands was a terrorist. It is highly inappropriate to make these sorts of praises. It would be best for everyone if you deleted this tweet. <laughs> if London Young Labour aren't drafting a tweet celebrating the life of Nelson Mandela right now, then they're missing a trick. <laughs> he, he's also a terrorist. Young Labour organisations celebrating terrorists boils my blood. Have some sympathy for those who suffered during the Troubles. Bo- not people who supported Bo- United Ireland. Boils my not, blood not like, no piss not like Bobby Sands <laughs> who suffered during the Troubles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, going on hunger strike and dying is famously an incredibly pleasant experience. Just virtue signal, um, isn't it, really, you know? Oh, look, look, look at me, I care about a cause. The only people who should be celebrated are those that ended the era. I agree, we must celebrate those who said we need to put down the weapons and talk to the IRA, such as Jeremy Corbyn. (laughs) (laughs) If, If he'd been about at that time, Owen Smith would have said the same. Just on, like, batting average, he'd eventually get it right once or twice, you know? Oh, wow. Yeah, this is great. <laughs> Literally, the soft left are just the most like abject people. <laughs> I mean, just come on. Like, just every day there's just new reasons to just be like, just, 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 just get a life. <laughs> they're, they're young centrist dads, though, aren't they? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's the thing. Like, it's weirder when they're like fifteen. This person's nineteen. The first one. Oh my god, they've got Jewish Labour ally. 
in the bio, which means non-Jew who's just a weird philo-Semitic cunt who thinks that loving Israel uncritically and trying to get Diane Abbott kicked out of the Labour Party is anti-racism. That's being an ally, yeah. We we already mentioned (laughs) fucking um, famously as like friend of the Jews in his signature (laughs) and has also done some accidental anti-Semitism in the past along those lines. Between the fucking corpse fucking. But no, I mean, I'm pretty sure I've got like some Jewish comrades of mine have been have, like added him like you're not my friend that yeah. this guy who we just this soft left guy just briefly like in his bio he has drinking tea wishing I had scones I bet he calls them scones and all Cunt. is there some kind of scone shortage in the days of corona you don't have the scones oh no, there will be it's this post brexit thing they're the scone people hoarding them there'll be someone with a garage full of scones and you can bet they call them scones. Yeah. Yeah, so, so okay, like, the, the soft left have started a whole new cult. I guess, well, the left did kind of start it. But the thing is, they, they don't need to rise to this shit and show that they're... Uh, they don't need to just, like, be so brazen about how, how reactionary they are. They've always got to get into it. They've always got to reveal how right-wing they are when they could just leave it. Um, someone says London Young Labour could write a tweet in remembrance of Nelson Mandela and the soft left would come out of their takes on him being a terrorist. I mean, it's kind of comparable. <laughs> like, you know, literally, the, the, these people, they basically uncritically side with state power whenever that's the case. Just like, I guess he is a bit more right-wing than them, given he literally votes Tory and writes for the Daily Mail. But Dan Hodges has in his bio, like, the shittest journalist ever quote glenn greenwald it's like all right so you whatever your issues with glenn greenwald like he's broken some serious stories like so dan hodges like pride and joy is that a proper journalist who broke the edward snowden story thinks that he's a terrible journalist (laughs) and it's similar with these people where their, their view of the world is just like well you know i don't think it's good that the u.s was spying on us but Edward Snowden shouldn't have revealed it in the way that he did. Or like, well, I I think that Chelsea Manning should be released from jail, yes. But on the other hand, she did break the law by revealing what the US were doing and revealing the the torture and extrajudicial killing that the US were doing. These people, it's the the conception of the world where the villains of the war on terror were the Stop the War Coalition. And so that's why I think that, yes, some of these people would have called Nelson Mandela a terrorist at some historical juncture. Yeah, yeah. traditionally uh, a line of the, the sort of young Tory hard right in Britain, you know, back in uh, Paul mm. Staines' day and all this, they would be, like, he was reputedly, um, he threatened to sue people over this, but he's been threatening to sue people over it for 15 years. He was the guy that was, like, manufacturing, like, hang Nelson Mandela posters and badges and T-shirts and all that. Ooh, what a yeah, prank. but uh, it was it was a big thing in like young Tory circles, and you still even when I was at university, you'd hear a couple not use that phrase, but make the argument that he was a terrorist. His methods were wrong, and all this, you know. Mm. Um, it's endemic, and the it's how much of this shit has has sort of gone across to the centrists who are that motivated in hating the left that they will lap up anything from anywhere else. Mm. 
Okay, so yeah, should we wrap up now then? We've been going for a long time. We've got plenty of material here. Well, yeah. And we finally addressed some of the shit from the last few awful weeks that we hadn't got round to because we'd been gape casting or talking about JFK or about the, the nitty gritty of that big document, so on, blah, blah, blah. Wait, what? Oh, Jess Phillips has written an article for The Independent saying it's up to us, it's up to you to help the families in lockdown who are sliding into food poverty. Yeah. Opposition. Oh. We could go on about this shithousery forever, you know, but it's uh, let's draw a line under it. Yeah. Viva comrade Bobby Sands. Yes. Like, just Whoa. forget... Chucky Allah. Yeah, fuck the, like, just willful ignorance, ahistoricity, vicious imperialism, and just, like, nasty right-wing smearing of these so-called Labour members. Like, you've got the people who've taken mm. up the anti-Bobby Sands side on this. Conservatives have started showing up, siding with them. Some guy who's yeah. got a blue tick and 2,000 followers somehow. Oh. From the Wandsworth Conservatives. Anyway, should do a, um, should do like a game where it's like, are they a, a soft left tweeter or are they like a diehard Glasgow Rangers fan? Just like yeah. remove the avatar <laughs> and name and that, and like, what, what do you reckon? <laughs> uh, okay, right. Wrap yeah. it up then. Good to talk, guys. Right, Thanks, yeah. McCats, for coming on the show. Yeah. And let's thank you for having me. Let's just grind you and I. Let's just go and stand outside the front of our house and applaud McCats for his his NHS work. Yep. Applaud McCats. Oh yeah, we we um we love it when you do that. By the way, that it's it's our favourite. Yeah. I I I open the window and I sit beside the window <laughs> the with glory. a big grin on my face, just just absorbing yeah. for, for for every for every clap they give us. They give us an extra, an extra penny, an, an hour. Every, every clap that I hear, I report it directly to Matthew Hancock. I've got, yeah. I've got, I've got his mobile number, and and he, he gives me an extra penny an hour. Yeah, yeah. You're just there huffing some loud applause. Yeah. You're just like yeah, it's just like gathering little bits of applause falling down what, and rolling what? it up into a big zoot. <laughs> Warms the cockles of my tiny what, heart. What, what, <laughs> one, one clap equals one respect. But I, I'm going to go and do that. I'm going to go out and clap on the balcony, but I'm not clapping for you, Macats. I'm, I'm clapping for, for Jack's dad and people in tents everywhere. <laughs> people, people just testing it out, seeing how it feels, seeing what the, the vibe of the, the tent is. Well done. Have well a, done. Have a clap. Clap for the outside, yeah. Dad. That's an essential service. Yep. Get sleeping in tents. The dad's sleeping in their yeah. cars. <laughs> yeah, for, for altogether different reasons. You can't, you can't get COVID-19 if you're behind a robust mosquito net. <laughs> you probably could, but no one's going to approach you close enough to be yeah, to be passing it on, so, you know. Okay, okay, let's let's leave it there on that COVID advice. That's a bit of public yes. service from a real politic crew. A bit of medical advice. Macats confirm its legitimacy. Wash your fucking hands. There you go. That's that's some advice for people. Okay, right. <laughs> Great to talk, lads. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a good one. Brilliant. Awesome. Good. Right. Peace. Yeah, there you go. Peace and love. Leave a Bobby In a bit.
tech, it's exciting, it's young people, it's crowdsourcing.